We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about the Nets' first one of the season, 109-105 over the Raptors. How are we feeling? Royce O'Neal is him. Yeah, Royce O'Neal coming up clutch. Had some key plays in that fourth quarter. KD, obviously, with a clutch three at the end as well. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do we start? Nick? Is it weird to say that despite Kyrie Irving having 30, Kim and Durant having 27, I want to start with Clack City? Yeah, let's start with Clack City. I thought Clacks brought that juice and that energy at the end of the third quarter that really gave this team a surge. And you and I have probably been two of the biggest Clacks believers in Nets world. You know, we've just been very high on him and his abilities and what he can do since he was drafted. And I even thought tonight we saw some of that potential early on that's been missing probably the last two seasons. I think offensive growth is the the biggest facet for Nick Claxton. And he looks like – he just looks stronger, more physical, yep. and he has confidence. You know, seven offensive rebounds. To go through his stat line, 19 points, 11 rebounds, uh, four blocks, a steal, eight of 11 from the field, three of eight from the free throw line. Actually hitting a couple of those, which is good. You know, still three of eight isn't amazing. But, you know, there's growth still. There's growth Zero still. turnovers. Zero turnovers as well. You know, he had his second sort of drive for the game. This is a, a consecutive double-double for him, which is the first time in his career. 34 minutes. Nick Claxton was everywhere. And there were points in the fourth quarter where Markeith Morris was out there. And I'm like, why is Claxton out there? And eventually Steve Nash did right his wrong. But Nicholas Claxton did so much right tonight. And there is a reason why the Toronto Raptors were rumored and really wanted to have him on their team because – his growth and maturation is is something that is it's great to watch because he's a he's a homegrown kid. We drafted this guy and now he's a starting center and he is making plays left, right, and center on both ends of the floor. And there was a some bloke on Twitter who was sort of like, you know, Nick Claxton, you know, he's a perennial backup center after he I think pushed the nudged Ben Simmons for that four point play on Pascal Siakam. My guy needed to watch the thirty four minutes Nick Claxton played tonight because they were invaluable and. This growth is is truly a, truly a sight to behold. 
Yeah, I I mean, the thing that instantly sticks out for Claxton is his newfound ability to finish at the rim, you know, through contact. You mentioned the muscle. He's just not getting moved off his spot as much. You know, in the past seasons, it's just like he's almost fading backwards on a lot of his layups. You saw him going downhill and attacking and then also putting the ball on the floor and attacking the rim. We saw him do Bro, that. That as fast well. break. That fast break. Yeah. I'm like, Ben Simmons, I hope you're watching this because this is how you do it, my guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny is Clax has been doing a lot of things we've wanted Ben to do. I had a tweet after the first game when, you know, Clax out of the drive. It was like, Ben, you should try doing this because all he's doing is attacking the open space in front of him. And he's so quick and athletic that he's able to kind of like sliver to the rim to prevent from getting a charge, but still have a really good opportunity to finish. You know, you saw him finish over bigs. You saw him finish over smalls in this game. And defensively, you know, the four blocks really stuck out. And then that offensive rebound, I think it was in the fourth quarter where he kind of just got one hand on the ball and just ripped it down. Like that's stuff that we really need. And I think he's coming into his own and developing a skill, but he's also understanding where he kind of stands in the NBA and understanding he needs to provide that energy. And he did that. Yeah, he provided that. And then seven, you sort of mentioned, you know, just sort of the strength and stuff, Nick. He's almost combined the strength with the finesse because he's got really fluid footwork and really smooth footwork, which he's always sort of had, you know, around the basket, you know, some nifty moves here and there and just still, you know, growing and growing and growing as a player and, a, and as a man. And, you know, he's just a, a, a great watch for, for Clack City lovers. And he's, he's, he's here. He's here yeah. and he's making his mark. Yeah, credit him for putting muscle on the right way. You know, he didn't get too bulky where it kind of limited some of the other areas of his game. Like you said, he's very smooth. He just looks like a great athlete, you know, like just a freak specimen out there. So credit to him for all the work he put in over the summer because it's paying off. And like you said, double doubles and back-to-back games. And he's really been a net that's been consistently good for the first two games. Yeah, I think the the biggest part of all this, Nick, is probably having a full offseason for yeah. Nick Claxton to be able to work on himself and work on his game. You know, the, the inconsistencies and in availability have been, you know, some, some fault of his own and, and some not. So... This now allows him to just you know, continue to grow. And we're hoping for all the Nets to have a clean bill of health, including Claxton. If he can play half as well as he played tonight and, and, and consistently played you know, 65, 70, 75 games for this Nets squad, then they are going to be a force on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and credit him for his maturity. You know, he did have a full offseason, but he also just, I think, took that next step in understanding he needs to put work in if he wants to be you know, a specific level of NBA player. So... Really happy with his play. Jack, who do you want to jump to next? I think we're going to go to Kai, Nick, because was it 13 points in the fourth quarter for Kyrie Irving? Yes, it was. He ended the third quarter with 17, and then he finished the game with 30. 30 points, seven assists, one rebound, had a block, five of 13 from three, so getting the volume up there, 11 of 24 from the field, and three of three from the free throw line. I mean, it was just Kai was in his bag, and he was just on one. There was, it, it was... It's almost times where like he hit like this insane bucket where he was just had the ball in his hands. He was fluid, the body control and everything. And he's everyone in the stadium was, you know, absolutely jumping except for his dad. His dad's like, no, <laughs> the, the job, the job ain't done yet, Kai. The job ain't done yet. And I sort of felt the same way. I'm like, all right, cool. But the way that this game was panning out, like there was 20 to two runs for the Raptors. There was 12 0 runs for the Nets. There was a 7 0 run. There was 9 0 runs. It was just. Literally a game of runs. If you're a neutral observer, that's probably the big takeaway from this game. And the Nets are on the right side of it after a really good start to the third quarter and some good runs throughout the fourth, thanks in large part to Kyrie Irving. Their fourth quarter Kyrie was... And and 
I think the Royce O'Neill bucket that I sort of, you know, alluded to at the start, that was because Kai got doubled and Royce just hit the shot and he just was just like, I told you, I told you. Yeah, and he didn't hit any all night. You know, that was the first three he hit of the night, and he had a couple good looks and, you know, have confidence from Kyrie to give him the ball and also confidence from Royce to knock it down. That's huge. You know, that's just a big play right there, and it was a great read, too, and understanding where to kind of position himself to be the proper outlet for the way that the Raptors were playing him. And like you said, I thought Kyrie was awesome in the fourth quarter and really just stepped up and gave the Nets that energy. And even to an extent, I think KD kind of came in and disrupted that a little bit. You know, I felt like they could have probably kept riding with Kyrie unless it was something along the lines of, you know, him being fatigued from, you know, carrying the offense for so long. But it, it felt like that kind of hindered the run. And obviously Kevin Durant, all-time talent. But at the same time, you know, keep riding Kyrie when he's hot like that. And also, it wasn't even that he was just hot. He was making a lot of the right plays, getting in the paint, you know, kicking the ball out and kind of running the offense to an extent. Yeah, he was plus 22, and, and the plus-minus stat can be a bit noisy sometimes, but it was reflective of him being the most impactful offensive player for, for so many reasons. Because you, as you alluded to, those seven assists as well is, is a big number. You know, him, KD, and Ben combined for 21 assists, and the Nets had 26 overall. You know, not an amazing number, but you know, pretty solid. And and I think that there was sort of some my turn, your turn when KD sort of came back, and there was yep. it was as he sort of you know disrupted the sort of just general flow. But at the same time, you know, Katie hit that big three as well. And I think as well, Kyrie was expending a lot of energy. He was taking some tough baskets. You know, he he, he got you know, defended well by the Toronto Raptors team, which is one of the longest, best athletes team, you know, going around with the amount of wingspan that those guys have. But he was just truly incredible. And, you know, you can pick a highlight after highlight after highlight. And, you know, he's... Body control, his fluidity, his ball handling, you know, the the level of skill and and, and, and combined with just the level of physicality and, and, and smoothness to his game in that fourth quarter was a, a real reason why, you know, the Nets, and he played 41 minutes as well, you know, they, they rode him hard and, you know, there were some moments here and there where the rotation was a bit disjointed, but, you know, him sort of leading, you know, the sort of, him and Royce and and Clax and then you know with moments with Marquise Morris and Joe Harris and Patty there was just some good lineups and Kyrie Irving was basically in all of the the good moments that the Nets had especially offensively. Yeah, I think the first three quarters he wasn't necessarily amazing, but the way he played in the fourth and just kind of turned it up and probably at the end of the third, you know, he turned which was a a decent game, a pretty good game into a great game. You know, when you have a fourth quarter like that and just kind of become the engine. And I agree, I think some of the lineups especially like I like the Kyrie and Ben combo out there. I think there's some things that happens with that. They seem to have a level of synergy. I think when they put Katie out there without Kyrie and Ben, they need to provide him a ball handler and obviously they're limited in that kind of facet right now. You know, you look Seth Curry probably when he comes back, but not sure if that's quite enough either because some of these lineups, like you said, were a little wonky in this game and not necessarily, you know, kept a good flow and identity for the team. Yeah, I think Kyrie Irving, as we alluded to before the season, sort of spiritual leader, you know, he's you know, gassing guys up and there's just uh, a bit of offensive flow when he's out there and, you know, he's doing some, some great things off the ball as well when Ben Simmons has the ball in his hands yep. and it's in the offense. So, I think that Kyrie Irving has had a you know a, a, an average game in in game one, but was you know outstanding tonight. You know, against I would say he was below average in game one. We don't have to be nice. You know, he he didn't shoot well. He was I think like five of nineteen, and I thought defensively wasn't as good. I thought the energy from him tonight was just better. Even if he missed or made mistakes on some assignments, it was just the effort level was 
turned up and the way he kind of described it at the end of you know his interview on yes network talking about like yeah we just needed to be tougher and i think he was right and when they kind of turned up the physicality and matched that with the raptors that's when we saw them be successful no absolutely it's a big reason why the nets got the win and now we head on to the road and seth is going to be seth co is going to be joining us hopefully we'll see if he he does play any of those games but it is positive we got we got joe back but we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted to ask you about Ben Simmons, Nick. You know, near triple-double for him, six points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. He'd have two blocks as well, three or five from the field. What did you see from Ben tonight? The fact that we're not opening the show and sort of throwing a, a heap of shade his way is a positive sign. Yeah, I think progress was made for Ben. You know, early in this game, he looked more aggressive, you know, attacking the rim or not even really attacking the rim, just getting his feet in the paint and taking a couple shots down there. You know, we saw the hook shot. We saw like a floater push shot. Right handed, Nick, both of them right handed. Looked a lot more comfortable with the right hand, as we've kind of alluded to on the podcast. You know, even during preseason, a lot of the lefty, you know, floaters and push shots didn't look good. But I thought that was a factor. And even the way the Raptors played him was a little bit different than other teams. They didn't necessarily sag off. So it allowed him some opportunity to break guys down and get to the rim. I will say this about Ben. I think his handle is a little rusty right now. It's improving. But I think when his handle gets a little bit better, we should see more ability to attack the rim and finish some of those plays. Because a couple times he had to pick up his dribble a little bit early where he was a step or two away from really being you know, a threat to score. So that's just something to kind of keep an eye on. But again, I thought Ben made progress in becoming closer to the player we want him to be. It wasn't perfect, but a lot better than the first game. Oh, it was miles and miles and miles and miles better from the first game where we were questioning whether mm, Ben's everything, <laughs> everything about Ben, you know, left, right and center. But I'll, I'll echo the sentiments he made about his handle. But what I did see was growth throughout the game. It seemed to me he grew he had a level of comfort with his hand and with the ball in his hands. Whereas, you know, I put out a heap of dumb tweets because, you know, that's what Twitter's for, to, to get some laughs and, and throw some memes out there. He didn't look like he was scared at the moment. You know, the, the, the big moment for me that really stood out was, you know, the sort of three-man play where it was KD, Ben, and and Patty. 
you know, Ben screens for Fikita. He rolls. He he gets to the middle of the floor and then kicks out to Patty for that corner yep. three. You know, ben was not rolling at all, and he still it wasn't amazing. But like you alluded to, there is there are signs there. The the the, the growth signs are positive. It wasn't like you know this is the the Ben of old, you know, defensive player of the years. You know, all NBA caliber, all star caliber. But he he showed growth in in a lot of facets and. You know, the three turnovers, some of them were a little bit sloppy as well. But, you know, I liked the attitude where, like, you know, the ball didn't go off him and they called it out of bounds and they said it was off him. But Ben's like, no, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm like, Ben, you're going to get a tech here, mate. But that showed to me a little sign of a, a change of mentality where it's just like a bit aggressive, a bit like of an FU sort of mentality. Whereas in, in the game, in game one, we saw that timidness and passiveness of sorts, whereas I think that mentality change is as big as this, the, the stat line that we score. And again, it was a good stat line. Filled it up in terms of the boards, filled it up in terms of the, um, the assistant, as well as a, a couple of blocks too. I think the great thing from Ben was we saw him want to be out there, want to make an impact. You know, he was on the bench for probably too long and he was sitting there, he was waiting, he was eager to get out there. And I think that this is a, a good building block, Nick. Yeah, a good building block. That's a great way to put it, Jack. And I think when you saw him be aggressive on the sideline, that's when it kind of switches gear to just being a competitor and playing basketball. Yeah. You know, you're you're not really thinking. You're just like, yo, I, that wasn't off me. I want to win this game. Like, and that's the mindset that he needs to have all the time. And we've talked about in the past is sometimes he's worried about other things that are probably irrelevant to the actual game in terms of how people view him and the mistakes he potentially made instead of just going all out, you know. And I thought the intent from him was better tonight. You know, with the ball in his hands, rolling to the rim, whatever it is, it wasn't perfect, but it was a step forward in terms of being more aggressive. There's still plenty of growth for him and also just a level of chemistry between him and Kevin Durant on some of those screens because there was a role when, you know, uh, KD kind of expected him to be one spot. He was somewhere else and the ball went over his head. Easy turnover for the Raptors. But overall, you know, the progress was made. It was nice to see him get those blocks in there and kind of have a defensive impact. I probably would have liked to see him on Siakam a little bit more just to yeah. see what he could have done because obviously Nick Claxton had a struggle and it wasn't necessarily great for anybody out there given Siakam had an awesome game. Obviously, you don't expect Siakam to shoot that well from the, the field in general, 15 of 20 with probably at least 10 of those being jump shots. But yeah, Simmons made progress. Simmons made progress. Rome wasn't built in the day, but... You know, hopefully it gets built, you know, quicker, sooner rather than later for when it comes to Ben Simmons and his his growth and his role within the team. I, I will say this one thing on Ben. If he uh, was able to finish that oop from KD, Barclays probably would have went nuts. Oh, I was just like, uh, did you think that was more on Ben and the catch, Nick, or do you think it was, you know, KD's lob was a little bit off? I think it might have been a little bit of both. I think it was timing. Uh, just they were there, uh, Ben jumped a little bit early. The pass was a, probably a touch behind where it needed to be. So I think the timing was just off. And it's it's a lot harder to throw an oop to somebody standing still rather than running up, if that makes sense, because it's just like you have to almost be in sync with them. And obviously, KD and Ben have not logged a ton of minutes. Yeah, I think Ben is still growing confidence with his body. I, yep. I think that... Unlike, I think we take for granted when we've had Kevin Durant come back from Achilles injury and look like the best player in the world almost immediately as he steps foot on the court in the black and the white, whereas Ben Simmons isn't Kevin Durant. No one is Kevin Durant, to, to put it bluntly. So Ben will take time. He's, he, Kevin Durant is a freak. Ben Simmons is a freak as well, but Kevin Durant is otherworldly, whereas Ben Simmons is, is more of a mortal than Kevin Durant. And I guess it segues us 
into KD Nick. 8 of 18 from the field from him, 3 of 9 from 3. He's been a little bit off from the perimeter, uh, but did hit some big ones. 8 of 10 from the free throw line, which was good. He had some good intent there. 6 assists, 4 boards, 2 blocks of steal, 27 points. This was like a very good game from Kevin Durant, but not something that we're going to like remember forever. But he did a lot of things and a lot of things well. He did a nice job, too, of kind of keeping the Nets afloat when they weren't necessarily playing well and just kind of getting some buckets here and there to keep it within 10, keep it within single digits. He didn't start well in this game either. You know, he didn't start. Yeah, it was something like that. I want to say it was like two of seven, maybe to start something like that as well. So, you know, that's two games in a row where Kevin Durant, you know, hasn't found his flow to, to start the game. And if he started at 0-4, which I believe he did, I took it in my notes, and he finished, you know, 8 of 14, which is obviously like 60, 70 sort of percent. You know, it's, I don't think it's a worry, but I think this is just showing the teething issues of the the regular season at the start of it for, for not just, you know, Ben and, and such, but even KD for a guy that we have such high expectations for. Yeah, I think overall I don't really have much concern with it. I think if we're talking about it, you know, 20 games into the season, he's, you know, off to a ton of poor starts. Yeah, then maybe it's a concern. But at the same time, like you said, I think some of it's just like the flow of the offense, him just kind of getting fit for the NBA season. I think it's easy to forget last year he started so hot. He played basketball pretty much all summer. You know, he continued the USA basketball, was playing at an extremely high level, and then kind of went right into the regular season. And obviously he was he was getting a lot of touches and the ball in his hands probably more last season to start given – you know, Kyrie being absent and all the other issues with that team. So not really any concern. I thought defensively still keep seeing like some of these weak side plays from KD. And that's really when he's at his best, you know, on ball, there are some good defensive plays, but when he's weak side, he does a great job of kind of timing certain plays and coming over and getting the steal or the block or just forcing a terrible shot. Yeah. I think in general, he's wanting to defend, you know, there's a, yeah. a, a greater desire from him on that end, you know, during the regular season where we saw, I guess, inconsistencies from the team overall. And there were still inconsistencies tonight. But I thought we saw flashes of, like, really good defense, especially to start that third quarter where it's just like, there, there's what the Nets can be. Now, are you going to get that for 48 minutes? No, but can you get it for 30, 35? You know, that's where the – it's as we alluded to, like, the building blocks with Ben Simmons. You know, there's the building blocks – for the team overall, defensively, offensively, different sets and stuff. Because despite the fact that Kyrie Irving was a hero, you know, and Kevin Durant was a hero with some of his isolation basketball, I still think that the flow of the offense wasn't, you know, amazing for large portions of the game either. So I think there is just a lot to still work on, despite the fact that you get the win, which is ultimately what matters. Yeah, I think you could look at the offense and the defense, and there was really great spurts of play, and there's also very poor spurts of play. You know, be it turnovers, be it lack of uh, communication on the defensive end. I think you saw like glaring issues, but they're all correctable in terms of like, okay, we see what they can do when they're in sync. When they're not in sync, they obviously look poor. But I think also, obviously, we have to look at it from the perspective of this is a new team with a new system, implementing some different stuff, and also definitely more versatile defensively with a lot of their calls where I felt like last season it was kind of consistently running the same thing all the time throughout a game where you'll see them switch sometimes you'll see them drop sometimes you'll see them double sometimes where that just wasn't necessarily the case last year no I think that there is a defensive versatility thanks to the roster and such but you're going to hop back to Nick Claxton because we've got a quote from Eric Slater. He said, Nick Claxton his aggressiveness despite his free throw struggles. 
I want to go to the free throw line 10 plus times per game. That's something I work on. So I embrace the challenge. I have no fear. I'm going to try to finish every time I can. That's just who I am as a player. I f- you might have to bleep me, Nick. I f- that mentality from Nick Claxton. Yeah, I mean, you. it's hard not to. I mean, uh, obviously, that's a weakness of his game currently, but him willing to take the challenge head on and being confident in his ability to work on it is huge. And also understanding that if he was timid, it would limit aspects of his game. He would just not be able to attack as much at the rim because guys would be just waiting there to throw a foul down. And uh, via Matt Brooks on Twitter, this is also Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton on getting downhill and flashing the handle this year, just more comfortable, just more confident trying to get back to young Clax. Yeah, he's just more com- – I think confidence is is such a big thing. And, you know, we – well, probably a lot of people putting out on the timeline, Claxton is who Ben Simmons should be. But, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of that myself. But it just shows you that this game is just – a lot of it is played in your head. And and Clax is, is reaping the rewards of, of having all the confidence after having a great start to the year. And ben Simmons, is, ben Simmons is getting there. You know, the confidence is continuing to grow. He's in the right situations. He's being supported by the, the likes of the leaders on the court and off the court. So, no, nah, it, was, it was all good things, Nick. I um, want to get to Royce and the bench, Nick. What were your thoughts on Royce and the bench? Yeah, Royce obviously offensively wasn't anything special in this game, just kind of a component out there. We mentioned, you know, shot one of four from three, did have that nice drive to the rim. I know you mentioned on Twitter you liked his ability to handle the ball. I feel like that's been a little bit better than what we saw in Utah. Obviously, we haven't watched every Utah Jazz game over the last couple seasons, but we've seen enough of Royce to have an idea, and it seems like he looks a touch more comfortable. But I think what sticks out for him in this game is his defense. You know, his versatility. You saw him kind of get that great jump ball when uh, OG was in transition, then also drawing the offensive foul on Siakam late in the game. Just a lot of, like, hustle and clutch plays, and obviously the huge three. The, the massive three. It's going to be the one that sticks out. But, you know, the box score doesn't scream, you know, dominance. Seven points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block, one of four from three, two two from the free throw line, two ascent from the field, as you alluded to. But I just think that he is a guy that we need to look beyond the box score when it comes to Royce O'Neal. And all those sort of little things. Is he getting a couple of steals in there? What is the deflections like? What's his, he's, he's looking good in transition defense. Is he forcing some jump balls? You know, Ben Simmons got a little bit of a tip out of bounds because Pascal Siakam took a look behind him. He's like, nah, I got this. And then Ben runs up behind him. The little things is what is what could make this Nets team really, really great from being, you know, very good in terms of the talent. But talent and hard work makes, you know, it, it produces – Diamonds. That's not a saying, but you know, you know what I mean, Nick. You know what? I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it produces a championship team because if not, you're just a great offense that sometimes is going to go cold and not make those plays. I think when you step up defensively, make those hustle plays, like you talked about, when Ben sprints behind someone and pokes the ball out, that I just absolutely love that because I find it super annoying for the other team. Like if that happened to the Nets, I'd be like, God, this guy is so annoying. So I'm glad to see Ben do that, and I think that gives you an idea he's getting more confident in his body because you don't sprint like that to try to force a turnover unless you're starting to feel good. No, and that, and that was a real positive thing to see. And and Royce, I think, is is the perfect fourth or fifth starter in in what should hopefully be a championship run for, for this Nets squad. But, Nick, in terms of the bench minutes, I just wanted to go through them. You know, I put out on the time, I think a lot of people were talking about what's the rotation going to be. We saw Mark Morris play 19 minutes, which I was happy with. Joe Harris play 18, which I was also happy with. Uh, we saw Paddy Mills at 11 and then Daron Sharp that had 10. And they were pretty negatively impactful 10 minutes uh, from Daron Sharp. Paddy was probably the best bench player alongside Markeith Morris. You know, the plus minus certainly does reflect that, Nick. Um, give, give me your thoughts on the bench, Paddy, and, and everyone else. 
Yeah, Patty's been off to a pretty good start. I actually want to give Patty some credit. I know everyone's kind of like killed him for his handles, but he looked decent driving the ball to the rim and, you know, drawing a couple free throws doing that and just opening, attacking open space. So, you know, playing him in these spurts, as we've talked about in the past, is just the ideal situation for him. I think, you know, you're not going to have him out there for a long period of time because he's going to get eaten defensively, but offensively, he can give you that spurt. He's great from the corners and, you know, he has a connection with Ben Simmons. Markeith Morris still looks like he's playing a little bit into game shape, but he's starting to move a little bit better, provides that level of toughness and physicality and knock down the three. And it looked good. Obviously, it was only one of three, but you know, you expect him to be around that average throughout the season. No, I think that I want to see more Markeith at the five or Markeith at the four alongside Ben Simmons at the five. We got glimpses of it tonight and it looked okay, especially with how negatively Daron Sharp is impacting the defense and even the offense. Like he had an open Royce O'Neal for three and decided to call his own. Like, and do a, like a hard Euro step with a defender yeah. there. Yeah, it wasn't even like you had a guard in front of you and you were just going to kind of go for a dunk. It was just like that's the kind of bonehead plays that kind of prevent you from playing. I thought uh, Sharp was pretty good for maybe his first like two or three minutes on the floor. He brought a level of energy, but then the Raptors are kind of able to expose him. And it's what you expect from Dayron. You know, we had concerns about him being the backup center because he's just not a finished product, and that's nothing against him. He just needs playing time, and this obviously isn't a team that's going to just give minutes away because they need to win games. And I, I think that Utah should be played uh, yeah. in in the front court and, and just go wings. And, and look, Clax has played 34 minutes tonight. How many times in his career has Clax played 30 minutes or more? He's ready for that now. His conditioning is there. Clax is your center, and then go with the heap of wings. Play a bit of Ben at the five. Play a bit of Mark Cape at the five. Play a bit of Utah at the five or four or five, and just go with you know big guys because Daniel Sharp just just isn't it right now. He could get there, and you know I'm not gonna like you know write the kid off because there's a lot of talent, and a lot of potential there. But you know as in against teams like the Pelicans, like the Raptors, who are you know contending teams in terms of you know top floor. In, in both of their conferences, you know, Daywin Sharp is getting exposed a little bit. Yeah, I think there's matchups that make sense for him. And tonight just wasn't a matchup that made any sense because the Raptors don't necessarily play anyone that's a true five. None. Like, literally no one. Like, and that's why, like, he had points where he was just, like, feasting on the boards. And he still had seven rebounds in 10 minutes. But in terms of what the net, and obviously the Nets got exposed in that department, they got out-rebounded to an absolutely deplorable level against the Pelicans. But against this Raptors team, you know, they need to get back into, you know, transition defense rather than sort of, you know, prioritizing getting offensive boards. And that balance wasn't really there from him tonight. But look, it was nice to see Joe back as well, Nick. You know, he hit the three ball and uh, the, the top of three. And it was, and funny enough, Darren Sharp was the one setting the, the off ball screen. And, and that's another thing that he does do well. I just think that he just needs to simplify things, Darren Sharp, if he wants to, you know, stop chasing blocks and just go, all right, I'm not going to foul here. Like, he gave, he turned the the, the goaltend for Pascal Siakam that looked yeah. like he was going to an air ball into like a three point play, and I'm just like, what is that's like a really like it's just boneheaded move and and really like immature move from him. So he needs to eradicate the mistakes, you know, the the glaring mistakes before we the Nets and Steve Nash and us fans can start to trust him. Yeah, I think you have the key to success is really, you know, play him in the specific matchups. But if not, run Markeith Morris and Ben Simmons in Utah. 
you know, if not, you know, Ben Simmons, KD, Markeith, and Utah. You know, just keep three really tall, long players out there that can have an impact and kind of cover up for some of those mistakes. And it's more fitting to your style anyways, you know, rather than playing Dayron Sharp and then trying to fit in another non-shooter into the to the lineup in the rotation. No, definitely. And I'm back on, you know, Patty Mills and Joe Harris. You know, Patty Mills, I think, has shot the ball over 50% from three, like two or four again tonight. You know, some big threes, like the, probably the best team set that we did see you know some swing swing action from the right corner to the left corner patty's the one that finished that one off you know the play that we alluded to with ben simmons kevin durant as well uh, and joe harris hitting his three so like he's gonna get his legs under him you could see he was a bit sweaty uh, but the team just looks better with joe harris especially when we saw like edmund sumner basically playing joe harris minutes it, maybe steve nash was paying attention to my timeline because <laughs> i asked you know give joe harris all of edmund sumner's minutes Edmund Sumner played 18, 19 minutes. Joe Harris played 18 minutes tonight. So, um, and you get Seth back. There's another three-point shooter which should unlock different parts of the offense for for the team overall as well as for Ben, different openings for him to drive and kick to. We know how good he is at that. I think that this team, you know, getting this win on the board is is a nice, maybe call this one the, the building block episode, Nick, because I can't really think of any other analogies. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with how things went. Yeah, it was almost like a perfect type of game because you saw still some of the growing pains, but they were able to kind of push through it and showcase some of that great talent and the flashes they have. And just touching on Joe Harris, like you said, you know, good to see him out there, get his sweat on, you know, had to die for the loose ball, ended up hitting his chin on the floor. That looked pretty painful, but credit him, the willingness to kind of have some of those hustle plays. And as he gets his feet under him, I expect him to move more off ball. You know, he was a little stagnant tonight, but I think a lot of that is just him being tired and kind of working his way back in. I thought he also had a couple decent defensive possessions. That one he had on OG, he got called for the foul. I thought he did a great job of kind of keeping position, using his strength to hold the ground. So Joe will help in the areas of rebounding probably and defense to an extent. He's competent. He's not great, but passing and giving you a little bit of physicality, another guy who's willing to dive for loose balls. Yeah, I think Joe is going to look better in, in on the defensive side of the ball because the Nets have so many better players around him so he can be you know the third or fourth defender and play just solid sound and defense. get help from clax ben or kd exactly and and in, in, in some cases royce as well so i think that it's just going to work out well going forward you know having joe harris back in this team we had our worries we had our reservations it's good to know that joe is back and and hopefully he uses this as a a way to move forward and we get some extended minutes for him feels his legs under him starts in the three ball um, like we know he can, gets that volume up and, and this team can continue to grow um, with the role players. And you know, it's a luxury now that we have Joe Harris and Royce O'Neal as like, you know, these sort of fifth, sixth men um, and, and combining those two um, in terms of their, their skill sets. It's it's a luxury that the Nets do have with Seth, you know, waiting in the wings as well as TJ Warren. You know, this rotation is looking good. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of offensive firepower coming in. You know, teams would die for that. Like if you told the Lakers they were going to add Joe Harris, Seth Curry and TJ Warren, they would probably be championship contenders. Like, that's how good that three set of role players is in terms of the offensive pop they can have. Obviously, they have to be healthy, but at the same time, they've showcased enough in the past that gives you confidence in what they can be. And I think Joe will probably be featured a lot with the second unit, you know, in terms of if he's not back in the starting lineup, they'll just be running sets for him when he gets more comfortable and gets his feet under him to generate him some great three-point looks. It's also important to remember... The Raptors are a great defensive team. You know, they have a lot of good defenders, and Nick Nurse is wild. Like, he will throw things at you that no one else will in week one of the season. No doubt. Um, final thoughts I wanted to sort of bring, you know, the Steve Nash of it all, Nick. And I thought, you know, we saw him do a challenge. We saw him actually argue with the referee about a call. 
you know, there was, it seemed to me that there was like moments of growth for this team overall, including Steve, but then there was some boneheaded stuff from him as well, failing to call timeouts too late, failing to put in clacks too late, you know, some rotation stuff that, you know, it's just, I, I, I get really frustrated with how Steve Nash manages this rotation sometimes. And again, it's an early point of the season. There was a lot of depth and there's a lot of depth in waiting, as you alluded to. So I'll give the, a lot of the team, including him, uh, you know, a, a, a leash up to a certain point. But by game 20, I want things to be a, a bit solid uh, in terms of that. But he's got, you know, the, the talent with these starting five. It's just how he continues to manage the sort of second unit is, is something that I'm going to really be watching. Yeah, I think he's still trying to figure it out. You know, I think he's still trying to figure out what kind of meshes well with that second unit, who can be out there alone. Or does he need to try to, you know, stagger it so there's always two out of three out there? And obviously, I've said obviously a ton on this podcast. Obviously, Uh, Nick, obviously. (laughs) I know, it feels very condescending, so I apologize. Um, It... It uh, getting like a Seth Curry, a Joe Harris, and a TJ Warren in that mix is going to alleviate a lot of that offensive pressure for the stars or the creation for the stars. So that'll be something that'll get easier as the season progresses. But overall, I thought he was okay in this game. Like you said, when the Raptors won on that run in the fourth quarter, he probably waited two possessions too long. Even if he called it one possession prior, it would have been a little bit better than what he did there. And like you said, rolling with Markeith Morris over Clacks at the end. I could understand the concept and trying to have four spacers out there, but Claxton was playing at such a high level that if you're going to take someone off the floor, you might be taking Ben Simmons off the floor just because Claxton was just so great in that stretch. If that's kind of the mindset in which you had. And I think that gets back to a deeper issue of this team. If those guys are both playing well, it it does limit you offensively. So it's going to be kind of a balance act throughout the season. Can I play these two close games or should I go small? And what of the two was playing better? You know, until Ben gets... To playing back at an all-star level, I think him and Claxton's impact is not drastically different. No, and you don't want to ruin the confidence of Ben Simmons. That's a sort of balancing yeah. issue of making sure that he's okay. And but he did, you know, he did relegate, you know, Daron Sharp out of it. You know, you know, ten minutes was, you know, ten minutes, like maybe eight minutes too many. But in saying that, he did. The majority make, was in the first half. Exactly, he did make the right decision in, in getting rid of him and, and extending minutes to Markeith Morris and, and and such. So. Look, those are good things from Steve. I'm just cons- I want him to. He should be better because of how good this team is, and you know he's got Igor Kokoshkov and Jack Vaughn and all these other guys around him. But again, you know I'm not going to call him Canadian Stephen, you know tonight because I thought he was good enough, and the Nets were good enough. And 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 the ultimate thing is, as you get judged on, is the wins and losses. Now the Nets are one and one. We move on to to the road trip, and hopefully we get a couple more wins there. Jack. I think you just look at the win that they've gotten out there and they showcase enough to give you a level of confidence that they can have a shot to win any game in front of them. It all kind of depends if they're locked in and in sync and playing with the right energy and effort level. Exactly. Hopefully many more to come, Nick. 100%. Um, Jack, anything else before we get out of here? No, but make sure you are staying tuned to Tea Public. You know, with the the new merch that's dropped has been doing gangbusters. Thank you to everyone who's jumped in there. But we've got a really cool design dropping with KD and Kyrie. So keep an eye on that in the coming days. And obviously subscribe on all platforms. And there's plenty of evergreen content. The season preview is still there if you guys want to listen to it. Spotify, five stars. Apple Podcasts, five stars. And Instagram. Do not forget about Instagram. Nick is putting out some sensational content there. Plenty of stuff to consume when it comes to the Brooklyn Buzz. New drops coming, content coming across the board. Big thanks to everybody for their support and listening to the show. And always a pleasure, Jack. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.